I'm Jake Miller from the Educational Duct Tape Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect those of others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. I look at a group of 30 girls and I say to myself, what is really making a difference? Belonging, understanding who you are movement for your body and really understanding what your coping skills are and when you need help. That's what really makes change. And I think you mentioned something earlier. Do not complain about things if you are not willing to do something about them. That is a thing I do not handle well. So my tagline on my email is make changes. Don't just talk about it. I don't hear it. Like if you don't like the way something is, do something. Otherwise, it, it makes no sense to me why we're even having the conversation. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. You know, during my 12-year teaching career, it seemed like there was always something throwing off my lesson plans, my mindset, or my goals. And when I began to burn out and tried to talk about it, all I heard was, join the club, go for a walk, have a glass or three of wine. This is just the way it is. The current challenges you're facing, distance learning, new technologies, higher expectations, discipline issues, a personal crisis, a global pandemic, All of these challenges make your everyday life seem unmanageable. Until now. Teacher burnout has been hacked. In Hacking Teacher Burnout, I share my eight-step process that shines a light on burnout as an opportunity for growth and change. And in it, I empower you to become burned in. A fulfilled, happy, efficient, and effective teacher in the classroom and human in your life. You'll learn the steps you can take to feel ready for the next challenge, take actions based on your burnout type, thrive, not just survive, both professionally and personally, and cope with any challenge plus much, much more. Hacking Teacher Burnout is coming out in September of 2020. So go to htb.burnedinteacher.com and get on the waiting list to be the first to know when it releases or place a bulk order for your staff. The burn-in process has empowered teachers to believe that they deserve and can achieve a happier and more fulfilled career and life. And I know this process that was built to help you go from isolated to empowered whenever you need it will work for you too. Go to htb.burnedinteacher.com and of course, burn on. Well, hey there, Burned In Teachers. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. This is episode 78, and this is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support for teachers dealing with burnout. I'm your host, Amber Harper, and I empower burned out teachers to believe that they deserve and can achieve a happier and more fulfilled career and life with my eight-step burned in process. And today, I'm so excited to share with you an interview that I did with my friend, Tisha Strasser. She is the founder and CEO of Bring It, Push It, Own It here locally in my hometown here of Fort Wayne, Indiana. And she believes that empowering our youth to be their unique best 
ourselves is one of the most important things that can be done for everyone's future. And isn't that why you're here? Don't you want to learn all of the strategies that you can to be your best selves, my burned-in teachers? Yes, hands in the air. Give me a yes, that is me. Well, we have a really great conversation to share with you today. And the interesting thing is, is that just like several of these interviews before, this was recorded at the end of February because I practice what I preach. I batched a ton of really fantastic interviews at the end of February. And then my focus had to switch for a little bit in order to support you the best way that I possibly could. And that's okay because everything that was important, all of these messages that I thought were so important for you to hear are important now. That hasn't changed. So in this interview, you're going to hear Tisha talk about several really empowering topics. One of them being why she started Bring It, Push It, Own It in the first place. How it applies not only to how she works with young women, but how it also applies to adults and educators and what we can do to empower ourselves to be our best selves and present and put put our best selves out there. We're also going to talk a little bit about her struggle with burnout and how she had to shed her skin is how she put it. I love it so much. We have a very candid conversation about empowerment, what it can and could look like versus what it sometimes does and maybe shouldn't look like. You know, it just so happens that Tisha and I are very much alike, and you'll hear that in our conversation. We both want to activate self-empowerment with the people that we work with and that we work for the most, which is what I encourage you to do, consistently being your authentic self so that you can put your best foot forward and serve those that are your people the hardest. This episode is for all of you burned and over it teachers out there. All of you out there saying, there's so much negativity, I have no choice but to be negative, or nobody else cares, so why should I care? This is for all of you teachers who are burned and over it and maybe at a stage one or two where you're ready to maybe do something different, but you're cynical of the process, you're worried about what people will think about you, and you don't quite know what to do next or how to change your brand. You know you need to make a change, but you just don't know quite how. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go ahead and hop on over to burnedinteacher.com slash burnout quiz. Take my quick six question, three minute or less quiz to identify your burnout type and your burnout stage. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Tisha and our conversation all about positive self-empowerment. Let's go. Tisha, thank you so much for joining us on the Burned In Teacher podcast today. I'm so honored and excited to have you on here to talk to the listeners of the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here as well. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So Tisha, um, you and I had a conversation at a women's breakfast several months ago, and it's been you and I going back and forth about when a good time would be to have this interview, but I cannot wait for people to hear about this discussion because I think it's really empowering and necessary and sometimes can seem a little scary to talk about, but I feel like it's something, especially in this month of never settling, that that we open up this conversation and, and start talking about it in a different and new way. But first, I would love for you to share with people what it is that you do in our local community to empower future women, maybe future teachers, um, through your message and your programs. It's so incredible. 
Yeah, thank you. So I am the founder of an organization that's called Bring It, Push It, Own It, catchy name because we work with teenage girls. That's our main target audience. And the gist of what we do, uh, our mission is to empower girls, to empower them to understand who they are uniquely, to understand not to let society to tell them who they are or to change to fit into the things that are around them. And that is something that's very, very hard to do, especially when you're growing as a young girl. And so I started this organization when my oldest daughter was actually in middle school and I saw these things happening within her. Even though she was in sports, she was in youth groups, she seemed popular, she had friends, she was struggling um, a lot with just staying true to herself and not trying to adapt to what was going on around her and understanding who she was as a person. And so I thought we really need to do something different. Sports are great, youth groups are great, but everything has its job, right? And I think that we spend a lot of time academically, we don't have time to have these conversations about what does it mean to be true to yourself? What is loving yourself? What is respect? What does it mean to have healthy friendships? We don't have time for that in sports or school anymore. We're so overwhelmed in all those arenas. So I just felt like it was time. I felt strongly that I wanted to do something different that was not just verbal mentoring because having teenage girls, I knew that that would not work. Mm -hmm. So um, kind of the quick nitty gritty of our organization is we have a three-part dynamic that we use and we know it works. We've been doing it for six years, but we have, we utilize group workouts and that is to strengthen their mind, not their body. We let them know they're not here to get a six pack, that this is more based on mental health it um, helps your mind be more creative. It helps you be more open-minded and really it makes them nice. So <laughs> we do it first. So that we can, yeah. So we, I mean, I need it to be nice. It's, it's a part of my, my self-care, you know? Mm -hmm. And my thought was like, okay, how do we get them in a space and have these hard conversations, but get them to be open? Because people are like, you are not going to get girls to talk about this stuff. I'm like, oh yes, I am. Mm -hmm. So we bring them in, we do a 45 minute workout. And the other part of that is they get to try something different every week. I feel like our kids are only shown sports and like, that's it. And then like, you don't know what to do with yourself when that ends, because a lot of times you're not going to get, you're not going to get scouted and that's depressing. And something we don't talk about. A lot of kids go off to college and they're depressed because they no longer have that structure of their sport or the ability to get the endorphins from doing that. And they think the gym is for old people. So they don't know what to do with themselves. So I like to show them that there's kickboxing, there's Zumba, there's getting in the water, there's all these different classes that you can do. And everybody has a different, um, you know, personality that you like different things. So I want to give them that ability. <clears throat> And we don't tell them what they're going to be doing on purpose. <laughs> so if in their mind they think they dislike something, we're trying to teach them to try things and push past that um, perspective and that attitude. So we do the workouts, get them all good and happy, get the blood pumping, and then we do the workshops. And that's interactive, peer-to-peer. -peer. You know, we, we let older girls also mentor and lead to teach them what leadership does look like on a girl, but also so that the girls know, like, okay, these girls have gone through these things. Um, like I have, and they, they feel like maybe we've went through it 20 years ago and we don't understand. So giving them the ability to have girls that are close to their age to kind of go over these topics, but also not just talk at our kids. So we have to do that in school. That's what they need. They need to be educated. But I wanted to create something that was, we talk for about 10 minutes and let's get our hands on it. What does that feel like? What happens to you when that's going on? How do you cope? Who do you go to? Those are the questions that our kids are struggling with. They just deal with what's going on and they move along. And it's, it's causing a lot of havoc. I mean, our suicide rates are up. It's doubled for girls. 
So at the end of the 12 week program, we take them on a 5k obstacle course. The reason that I chose to do this was I had my own experience. I'd went on a few and I remember standing on the sidelines, turning around and I was watching people reach out their hands. I was watching people push people up over walls. I was watching men turn around and help women and, and men and everybody. And I was like, this is so beautiful. Like we don't see this anymore. We don't get to see that, that hand, you know, reached out. Like even on the soccer field, my daughter was being told not to take a knee and I'm, I was getting super frustrated about the things she was being taught. Not that that always happens, but I wanted them to know that there is a place and a time that you need to help others. You need to face your fears and you need to know what it feels like to be uncomfortable. Mm. That's going to happen over and over and over again in their adult life. So that's kind of the, the mission dynamic of what we do. And we actually just added a boys division this year and we do similar thing. We do the programming's the same, but my focus is to really talk to the boys about communication, vulnerability, that being a man doesn't mean you always have to have all the answers and that it's okay to have feelings and all those things that we've kind of sadly taken away from them as a society. We're not saying, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you're sissying up America. No, our men need to be able to have feelings and communicate as well. Otherwise they struggle. And then women are mad because they don't understand why their men don't understand them. Well, that starts as a kid. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, the dynamic of what we do. I have goosebumps. Like I knew that this was what you did, but to hear you explain it in such depth, the whole time I'm thinking, this is what I do for teachers. This is what, this is what burn in teacher is all about. You know, activating that teacher self-empowerment, that mental strength, that activation for change that starts and ends with you. Right. But for you and why I wanted you to come on this, this episode is because you do this for our youth in our community. And um, one thing, I don't know if you mentioned, this is an after school program. So you travel around to different schools, correct? Nope. Oh my um, gosh. Okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. I actually chose not to do it in the schools. The reason I chose that, and I know as a teacher, we probably are on different sides. For me with my kids, um, they tell me that they are never truly themselves at school. Mm. There's all those levels where they either need to fit into a group or they don't fit in and they don't know who they are and all those different things. And I felt like for me, that would really take away from what I'm really trying to do. I want them to come into a space and say, I belong and I don't need to fit into any group here. And that has worked really well. So when they come into space, which um, right now we've held it here for years, when they come into a space, we have girls from 30 different schools. We have worked so hard with our older girls to say, when that girl walks in, you make sure she feels like she belongs. You mm -hmm. let her know that she does not need to fit into a group. This is an entire group. So Wow, that's incredible. And you know, on that level, I mean, I don't know about you, Tisha, but even as a 37-year-old woman, there are places where I feel like I don't belong or that I don't, you know, that I either don't belong or I fit into a box or, or whatnot. I think that's a really important topic to kind of uncover about our students. You know, th this is a podcast for teachers. So what can we do in our own schools to help people to feel like they belong? You know, our, our teachers and our students. It's such a big question because I truly believe that there are so many wonderful teachers that do care about the way their kids feel. Um, I just think everybody is, they're so overwhelmed. There's so many expectations. You have so many kids in your classroom. How can you, how can you 
possibly know, you know, who's struggling. I mean, some of them may stand out, some of them may not. And I think it's that hidden secret still. I'm going to be honest. I mean, doing this as long as I do, and, and we tell the girls, like, this is a place to have real talk. And we say to them, like, why does that still happen? Why do you feel like you struggle to find your space or where you fit in? And no matter how much work we do when it comes to, we talk about bullying and we talk about, you know, self-love. And I think those topics are addressed way more now than they ever were when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I think human nature, unfortunately, still allots us those issues. Because as you said, as an adult, you can go places and still feel like, oh my gosh, who do I stand with? What do I do? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's teaching that mentality. When I see somebody standing there awkwardly by themselves, I don't know. It's my instinct to go over and talk to them. They might think I'm weird, but that's what I do. Because in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to be that person. I want to make sure you feel like you belong. And I think that that's a message that has to be said over and over and over again to kids. And they still won't do it. I, it's just an innate feature in them to fit in like, oh, if I go against the grain, then they won't like me. And so I think that we're making headway. I think there's a lot of kids that do try to, to look at another kid and think, gosh, do they feel like they don't fit in? Or, you know, the whole lunchroom Cabacle. Like, it's crazy to me because my daughter started a new school this year and she's 14 and she literally still went through the same thing at a small school. I was like, don't worry, people will invite you to sit with them. And they just struggle. It's an internal fight, I think, that we just have to keep keep working on. Well, you bring up a couple of interesting points. So first of all, the one thing that you said about that, it's just in you, you might be weird, but when you see somebody by themselves, you want to go and make the effort. Okay. That's empathy. First of all, which is something that we sorely lack, um, in a lot of situations. And that's something that I talk to teachers about, um, especially in a large group setting, like a, like a keynote or a, a whole school workshop as we talk about empathy and, um, the other thing is, is that might just be one of your strengths. I don't know if you've taken the strengths finder assessment is woo one of your top strengths. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> that's us wooers, right? That's one of my top strengths too. Um, and, but for some people that's just not who they are and it's, it's neither here nor there. They're not, they're not mean. Um, it's just, they aren't comfortable addressing people who they do, either they don't know, or, you know, it might be an awkward situation. Um, but I think this is a great transition, Tisha, into talking about our conversation several months ago. Um, and this fits so well into this theme of never settling because something that we have settled for in education and in society is settling for a couple of things. Number one, settling for the normalized conversation of talking about how bad things are without taking action. And the second thing is, is believing that changing the conversation has to be this loud, um, negative, and um, sort of ostracizing and isolating conversation that, um, that makes people kind of sit back and go, ooh, you know, um, and I can tell you from experience from, you know, being on Instagram and checking out certain platforms, you know, it's popularized to talk about how horrible things are and to keep that conversation there. It's just negative. Well, this happened today. Well, you won't believe this. And then this con comment, 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 comment about how terrible things are. It doesn't have to be that way. And when we talk about things like burnout and empowering our women and empowering our young ladies and, and even boys, empowering them to change the conversation, sometimes people get scared because they think we're starting a revolt. <laughs> right? Well, especially when you talk about empowering girls, I think that, 
I've had to work really diligently over the last couple of years to really um, explain our message and say, you know, what does it mean to really empower others? So I'm going to kind of piggyback off what you're talking about. A lot of people think making change is loud, aggressive, or scary because mm -hmm. some people choose to do it that way and that's their choice. And and, and that's okay for them. But I do think, um, so my son is 18 and I've, I've done bring it for years and years since, you know, since he was little. And he said to me the other day, he said, you know, there's a lot of kids at school that are making new groups or they're standing for something they believe in or whatever that is. And he said, I can't even get on board because they're either screaming or they're angry or their message is so overwhelming for me. He's like, I can't even process the information to care about what they're doing. And he said, you know, is that what you're doing? And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's a big deal for him at 18 years old as, as a boy, because that's what he's seeing, like generationally for him, a lot of empowerment and making a change or standing up for something you believe in looks very different than the way that I choose to present that to our next generation. And so it was a really good conversation because I said to him, I go, it's really good to hear that because I need to know how you're seeing things or how you think change happens. Mm -hmm. You know, and he actually then he threw out some examples for me of some some very famous people. And he said, you know, this I get, this I don't. And I'm like, okay, that's that's good. So to me, to empower girls and now boys means to equip them with the tools to be their absolute unique best self. It's that simple. It's literally to equip them to be able to stay true to themselves, to handle what's going on around them. When they need to cope and they are struggling and they're in school and nobody's talking to them because there's not a bunch of woos around, to be able to handle that, oh, I'm okay. Like, I'm going to make it through this, but also to learn how to become a little bit of that person, right? Like, so there's traits that I don't have that maybe aren't a part of my personality assessment, but I always have to continually work on myself and ask myself, what am I putting out there? Because becoming my best self doesn't mean staying in my comfort space. It doesn't mean always being the woo. Sometimes I have to shut up. Like, right. And, and that's that self-awareness, right? Yeah. Because your strengths can sometimes work against you if you're not self-aware about yeah. how how your strength is coming across to other people who are interpreting it differently, right? Yep. That's exactly it. So I love that you brought up that you said in certain situations, you have to say, how am I projecting myself and how am I, um, I can't remember. How, oh, how am I, how am I putting this out into the world? Mm -hmm. Because that has to, has a lot to do with your brand and the impact that you want to make. And I think that's so important to, to bring up that idea of self-awareness and saying, well, how am I handling things whenever it's hard? Because the same thing that you're doing for the youth in our community is the same thing that I want to bring to teachers um, across the world is that it matters what you think, what you feel, what you believe, what you say, what you do, how you handle hardship and adversity. It all matters. It, it starts and ends with you, right? You, you can't control how other people behave, but you can control the way you react to it. Right. And I think a lot of people are waiting for things around them to change or people around them to change. And you have to understand that the only thing you can control is you. And, and especially if you're somebody that's putting a message out there or you stand for something, as I told my son, because I stand for something, like I have to make sure, like sometimes I have to make really hard decisions. I mean, even recently I had to make some changes within my organization because if I tell people, this is what I stand for and this is what the message we're sharing, I darn well better make sure that that's the message that I'm putting out there. Mm -hmm. And the only person that that lies on is me. And so you have to 
you really have to always reassess yourself. And I think that being taught that younger will make it much easier. I wasn't taught that young. I mean, that's a struggle I had to learn as an adult. But having these conversations with the kids, okay, I say to my, my daughter all the time, you can't change that. I cannot change that these kids are not friendly or whatever's going on in their, you know, personality traits that they're not inviting you in. But what can we do to make it better for you? How can you make it better? And that's hard. Nobody wants to hear that. They're like, I just want it to get better and I want other people to be a part of it. But yeah. that's not always going to be the case. But when you start displaying that, other people see that. They want that. They will, they will start to interact with that message you're putting out there. When hard conversations have to happen, you know, they sometimes, they're hard, you know, hard conversations are necessary, but they are difficult. That doesn't mean, you know, turning a blind eye to injustice, you know, it, it's nothing like that, but it's, it's thinking about empowerment in a different way. It, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this negative, loud, aggressive revolt, like we talked about earlier. Right. And I would say I've, I mean, I, and running an organization that's all about empowerment and all of those messages for six years. I mean, I've grown as a person. I had to work on myself too. I used to think you, you know, and, and this is coming from a lifestyle being at risk. You think you have to be the loudest bark to be heard. Mm. And that's, but that's something our kids see too. Right. And it does, they see it in some leaders. And so they think, okay, that's what's, that's what I have to do. So I had to really look at myself when I was leading my organization and I look at a group of 30 girls and I say to myself, what is really making a difference? Belonging, understanding who you are, movement for your body, and really understanding what your coping skills are and when you need help. That's what really makes change. And I think you mentioned something earlier. Do not complain about things if you are not willing to do something about them. That is a thing I do not handle well. So my tagline on my email is make changes. Don't just talk about it. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Like if you don't like the way something is, do something. Otherwise, it, it makes no sense to me why we're even having the conversation. It's like, don't complain about politics if you don't vote. And it's not, that's not a politics statement. It's if you're not willing to do something, then it's not your place to be negative about it or throw it all over the place. So, I mean, I, since I actually decided I see a problem, I want to actually do something about it. I could sit and complain all day long about the things that I think are still bad, but that doesn't do anything for anybody. That's, that's not empowerment. That's, that's disempowering. It, uh, totally. And it's a complete waste of your time. You know, people talk all the time. I'm so busy. I don't have enough time to do this. Well, you had enough time to rant on Facebook. You know, how long did it take you to, to type that out? Or you had enough time to tear this person down on social media, whether it be a video or, or, or commenting on somebody else's post. Right. It's a complete waste of mental energy right. and time um, when you could be deciding, you know what, this is what I'm going to do in my own personal life about this because I can't control them over there, but I can control how I behave and how I'm projecting myself to the world and, and the changes that I want to implement in my life that will eventually, you know, have a ripple effect into other people in my life. Mm -hmm. So will you tell me a little bit, um, Tisha, about maybe an experience that you had with burnout? Um, and I don't know if you had these skills yet that you talked about that you had to, you know, learn in your adult life. Um, but you may or may not know this, but I am coming out of my own I love how you said it earlier. You said, I, I had to shed some skin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that because it's almost like a, it's almost like a, an opportunity for growth. And I'm telling you, I've had this conversation now and this has come up where it's like, if it wasn't for the burnout, I wouldn't have grown. 
Right. You know, yeah. so there's almost like this other side of it. So tell me a little bit about your, your struggle with burnout and how you shed that skin and came out of it. Yeah. So I think no matter what your career, your passion or whatever it is that you do, I think that you're always going to have those moments. And if you don't, I don't really think you're doing something that's really meaningful or that matters to you because when burnout to me, it just, you know, you put a lot into what you do. It either takes a lot from you. It takes a lot to do what you do. So I think it's a natural process, but in my world, so I'm in nonprofit world. So it's, it's, it's almost like you can look at it as several different ways. It's almost like a lot of people look at it as a battle for money. They look at it as a competition. We're in a city full of nonprofits. Um, and it can be really easy to get dragged into that mindset, comparison, jealousy. Why is what I'm doing not working? Why can't competition. we do that? Mm -hmm. Competition, um, trying to follow the um, lane or route that other people are doing. And so I'm a very independent person, very unique, and I have a different personality. And when I caught myself doing all of those things, it literally made me sick. I was like, what is happening? I'm doing everything I teach not to do, like be yourself. You know what? That lane's not for you, but it can be really easy. I mean, like when you're driving along and somebody goes to try to, you know, um, trick the traffic and get ahead of the construction, right? You're like, man, if that works for them, I'd love to try it, right? Like everybody thinks that in their head, like, absolutely do it. But then you're like, no, it's the same way in our lives, right? So I found myself comparison, getting jealous, feeling like everything was competition and why are things not working out for me? Oh, you know what? I'm going to follow her lane because it's working really well for her. Mm. And then quickly I was like, I am not authentic. I found myself even, I mean, to be honest, I found myself dressing a different way, like doing all of these things that are not me. And I literally stood in front of a group of my girls and I literally got sick to my stomach because the words I was saying to them, I realized you're not being authentically you and you're just trying to survive. And that's, that's not survival mode is not success. It's survival mode. Mm -hmm. You're never going to succeed when you're in that mode. So I had to slowly start working on each little area that I knew felt really gross to me because I realized it started to feel gross. I wasn't myself and I needed to shed that skin. And it's a process. Like every day I have to tell myself, it's okay. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. You do things differently. You're unique. It's not supposed to look that way for your organization yet. It's okay. And we explained to girls, confidence is not a one and done thing. Mm. I tell them that I go out every day and I get kicked in the gut five times a day. You know what confidence is? I get up tomorrow and I do it again. Mm -hmm. I get kicked another five times. That's what confidence is. That's what true self-value is. And so, yeah, I had to shed that skin. I was pretty disappointed in myself. And I think admitting that makes you more human and saying like, I got sucked into that. Like, I was like, that looks really good and comfy over there and warm and cozy. I want it on that. Well, and acceptable. It, it's accepted and it's normalized, right? I, I mean, I'm, you've given me goosebumps probably three times today with, with things that you've said. And one of them is that you said, I'm not being my authentic self. It's like you get lost in it and you adopt other people's behaviors and habits and routines and you know what that culture's norm might be. And you lose yourself in it. And when you lose yourself that's when you, you don't, you lose your sense of purpose. You lose, you lose, you know, if you, if teaching was your passion, for example, you lose it because you're not teaching to your authentic self. So you said you just started to say to yourself things like, I don't do that anymore. That that's just not 
that's not who I am. I don't say those things. I, you know, tell me a little bit more about that before we wrap up for today. I think it's a process. So I think the minute that I felt icky in my own skin and, and because of what I stand for, it's very important to be self-aware and, and be human. And so the minute, I mean, I just remember like one day I was like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? And I think it was, it was a matter of something I wanted to wear and it was somewhere I was going. And so for me, you know, I'm out there representing and I want to send a good message, but we're also trying to get people to support what we do. There's two sides of what I do, like, you know, be who I am authentic and then get support. And sometimes those two things do not intertwine because mm -hmm. people may not get me or understand or agree with empowerment because they may see it a different way. So it was this process of why am I questioning this? Like, this is ridiculous. This is if you choose to look at me in that way, that is an issue within you and it's okay. I'm going to make things happen either way. I mean, I've ran an organization on minimal, minimal means, like extremely. And people have asked, like, when they look at that, they're like, how have you, have you done this? I need to remember that. Mm -hmm. I've done this because I know what I'm passionate about. I know it's important to me and I know how to do that as myself. And that's what I had to stay true to. So yes, those things come up all the time. I can see other organizations but I did have to make some choices, unfollow, stop reading so much into it. How about you just go back to being you and be, be happy, authentically happy for other people. Jealousy is the devil. It it's is. normal. And just look at it and be like, yeah, I'm really happy for them. The more you do that, the negative, it takes what? I think it's 10 positives to fix five negatives. So if you say like, oh my gosh, I'm so upset that I'm not there. Instead, I say, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for them. 10 times in a day, it never, it doesn't affect me the same. Well, and it comes down to a couple of things there. I mean, you can't compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. And when you live in that scarcity mindset, there's not enough. There's not enough of, there's not enough money. There's not enough resources. There's not enough time. There's not enough me. When you believe those things, it, your brain looks for reasons to make it true. But when you believe in abundance, Gratitude and abundance go together. There's enough for everybody. If we believe that there is and we um, believe in collaboration rather than um, competition, you know, that, you know, together, you know, we're all for the betterment of our youth. We're all for the betterment of the mental health of our teachers and the mental health of our kids. Um, and just, just believing that. And some people don't believe it, you know, and you are going to encounter people who are competitive and negative and believe in scarcity. and you can't control them. Well, and I think a big thing in that is learning who are your people. Yes. Don't try to win people over that aren't your people. I think it's the same in any career, even for teachers. Who are your people? Don't go hang around a bunch of people who are miserable and not, I mean, everybody has a bad day, but if that is their every day, you need to find another group. And that's your choice. That's right. something you have 100% control of. You can't control your, who your family is. You can't control who you teach with. You know, you don't get to make decisions of who's next door to who typically, but you can control who you associate with. Right. And who gets your time and who's feeding into that. So mm -hmm. even in my business, I do get to choose who I do business with. And if I realize that your goal is not to empower and love on the next generation, you're not my people. Mm -hmm. And that has to be okay. And I have to turn away from that. And so that right. was the big, big thing of shedding the skin is making sure that I always make that decision right away. We're not trying to win people over and just do what we're meant to do and what we're good at. I mean, we're, I mean, we're all really good at, if we know what our thing is, you need to just keep being really good at that. Yeah. So, so your message, you know, correct me if I'm wrong is never settle for being in a, your inauthentic self. 
Never settle for relationships that aren't healthy and don't help you to be mentally strong and better yourself. And never settle for the maybe the status quo that in order to get your message across, you have to be loud and aggressive. Yes. 100%. I, and I think being loud, like loud and aggressive, like I'm a loud girl, obviously. Oh, I am too. <laughs> yeah. So I think like, it's just a difference in, in the, um, the, the approach of what delivery is. Yeah. The delivery, like yeah. I'm a loud, fun. I love to make things crazy. So I think it's a little different when you're coming at people yeah. rather than coming with them to come together. That's where it looks like an aggressive message. And I've, I, I have definitely worked on that in myself over the years. And I think it's just something we all have to work on. I wonder too, if one of your top strengths is command. I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> probably that's something that I have had to work on. That's one of my top strengths and it can be, I get looked at as bossy or aggressive or, um, I can be very intimidating, but it's because I, I have to, right? I know. I've seen that in you and I, that we have those same qualities, that we just have very strong personalities. And it's because when we believe in something, we want other people to believe in it too. And that's where self-awareness has had to really come into play because I know that that is something that I have to check myself on is, you know, I get this, I, I have, I don't have 11s. I have a one between my eyebrows. And my husband will even say like, I'll be talking about something that happened during the day, you know, whether I'm excited or I'm like planning something or you know, it doesn't matter. When I get passionate, my eyes furrow and my one shows. And he goes, Amber, relax your face. And it's like, I'm not even mad, but my, and I even had to tell my students that like, if you ever see Mrs. Harper doing this look, I'm not mad. I'm thinking. I'm excited. Like I'm really trying to to think through things, and um and that came from students saying, "Miss Harper, why are you mad?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm not mad. I'm just really trying to think about. I'm trying to think through this." I get oh excited and I get loud, but the other yeah. thing is, I love to ask questions. And I oh my gosh, corporate America, like that yeah. bit me so many times because I was called combative. But that is something I do. I really try to engage with girls and say, don't be afraid to do that. We're, mm-hmm. we, we have to generationally change that thought process. Asking questions and understanding is not combative. It's trying to understand so that you can fully do your best job at it. 100%. And that was something that I, in my delivery of asking questions, I did come across as combative or that I was um, challenging authority. And, yeah. and that's, yeah, but I think we need to flip the script on that. Like, you know, I mean, one of the top seven habits of highly effective people is to seek to understand before being understood. And I or think- being told not to do that as a young girl. Stop yes. being mad at it. Why are you asking so many questions? My daughter gets told that all the time. And I said, you don't stop. You do it respectfully, yes. smile on your face so they can maybe try to understand, but yeah. you keep doing that. Well, I found that literally saying before I asked my question is, can you help me understand? Because it puts you into that place. It, like it, it says to them, I really, I'm not challenging you. I just want to understand. I just want to make sure that I'm fully understanding this. I've literally had to tell people lately, just give me some grace because I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Yes. <laughs> and don't apologize. Right. Yeah. You don't need to be apologetic in your seek for understanding and your seeking for solutions. I think that's, um, that's, I don't know if it's just a Midwesterner thing, but we apologize for everything. And I think it's time to stop. And that's not being negative. I mean, obviously if you accidentally run your car into someone's, you know, right door, you know, as you're parking your car or whatever, that's apology. I mean, that was an accident, right? But you're not accidentally trying to seek to understand. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> so. different. 
Yeah, exactly. Tisha, can you please tell us how it is that people can find out more about you and your organization before we sign off today? Yeah. So we are on Facebook under bring it, push it, own it. We also have a website, which is bring it, push it, own it.com. We're on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can find us on all, all of those. And then if you ever want to get programming information for your kiddos, my email is bring it, own it at gmail.com. Oh, Tisha, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I'm so honored and I'm just so, I'm so empowered by this conversation. <laughs> well, that's great. I was, it was fun to, to be able to have these conversations because you don't get to have them a lot. That's true, but that's what we're trying to change, right? Right. <laughs> All right. Conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Now take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned-in teacher. Burn on, I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of burned-in teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the burned in teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on.